Hey everyone, before we get into today's talk, we just wanted to take a moment and say thanks. Thanks for listening and thank you for all your support. And if this is the first time you're hearing this podcast, we just want to let you know that we are a church that meets in the Greenville area in South Carolina. We are really passionate about faith, creativity, culture, and building community. Our heart is that this podcast brings added value to your life, as well as it helps you in your own journey of faith and understanding the human experience. And with that, let's get right to it. So Luke, if you could go ahead and stand up and read that passage. All right, I'm reading from John 1, verses 4, 5, and 9. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. Thank you. One of my favorite cities in the world is a city called Dubai. If you travel, if you like to travel, or you want to travel at some point in your life, I would encourage you, this city needs to be near the top of your list of bucket list cities to go to. Dubai is in the Middle East, it's in UAE, United Arab Emirates. And Candace and I have been there a number of times, and it's one of my favorite cities in the world for a lot of reasons. But in Dubai, they have the world's tallest building. It's called the Burj Khalifa. And the Burj Khalifa is a stunning masterpiece of engineering, design, and thought. It's incredible because that night they have, um, they developed the lights on the side of this building that at night it sparkled. They wanted to look like a diamond that sparkled in the light. The height of this building is a half a mile tall. It's remarkable. And keep in mind that it's built on a desert of pure sand. And you can see there's a man-made lake at the bottom of the image. And my wife and I, one of our trips, we were able to stay in the hotel, actually right on the, on the right bottom edge there. We stayed in that hotel, and every night, every 30 minutes, that lake turned into a fountain. If you've been to Vegas, the Bellagio fountains are world famous. Well, they took that concept, the Bellagio Fountain, and just made it bigger and better. So every night, every 30 minutes, a music is going through the entire downtown area, synchronizing with the Bellagio Fountain that are going off, and the lights are going off on this building. It's beautiful. The entire side of that building, one side of it, is an LED screen. It's a half a mile long LED screen. And while the fountains are going off, while the music is going on, there's a motion graphic, this beautiful motion graphics of imagery and graphic design. It's just flowing, and it's just one of the most spectacular things you could ever see, especially in the human experience. What's fascinating, this building is so tall that if you live on the top floors, your day is about three minutes longer than everyone else on the ground because the sun sets later for you because of your vantage point. In fact, if you time it right, you can have two, two sunsets in the same evening. You can see the sunset, get in the elevator, hyperspeed up to the top, and see the same sunset the second time. It's a fascinating building. Last week, we talked about the sun is roughly 93 million miles from Earth. We talked about how light travels, and they say light can sometimes take up to 
100,000 years to work from the core of the sun to the surface. And by the time the, the light gets to the surface of the sun, it emits across 93 million miles, across a fraction of the expanse of the universe. And light touches Earth. What's fascinating about light and our placement, Earth's placement in the solar system is perfect. In fact, they say if the Earth was one mile closer to the sun, the temperatures would raise five to 10 degrees Celsius alone. And if we switch places with Mars, we would look like Mars. But if we were one planet closer to the sun, we would be unlivable because of the heat would rise dramatically. So even the placement of Earth in the solar system and the way God designed the, the distance from the sun to the earth, it creates something, it creates life. Light doesn't just create shadows, it actually bursts and creates life. So we've been talking about this last week and we're gonna continue the conversation tonight. We talk about light creates life, and Greenville is one of the most prettiest places in the world, primarily because not just the people, but also the landscape, the foliage, the greenery, they're just green everywhere. I don't think it was hard to name this city. I think someone said, hey guys, I got an idea. Let's call this place Greenville. But there's so many trees and plants, and what's fascinating is it, God designed these plants and these trees and the foliage outside that when light hits it, because within light is photons, these little packages of photons. And photons, when they hit the surface of a plant or a leaf or a tree, there's something called photosynthesis. And what happened is as the light and the energy is being received by the plant, by the tree, it is able to turn that light into energy, into some type of food. It actually turned it into carbohydrate, which is a form of energy. And that's how everything grows beautifully here. And the thing I've learned about Greenville is you have to mow your lawn a lot more. In Reading, we have this thing called drought. And you mow your fields once, and then it's dead the entire rest of the year. Here, you mow it, and it says, thank you, we can grow some more. I mean, it's just fascinating how it works here. So light travels 93 million miles across a fraction of the expanse of the universe. So let's ask the question, if light can travel that far, what's the spirit doing? What happens when the spirit is moving through every dimension, seen and unseen? So we know that light creates, sends photons. We know that light sends these little packets of energy that can be received by whatever's on earth. But let's ask the question, what's happening with the spirit? One thing we know about the spirit is the spirit is not a part of our dimension. The spirit was not born, was not created, was not birthed at all. This is why Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And I've repeated it many times up here. God has placed eternity in our hearts, but yet no one can tell you when God began. It's fascinating because here we have, we're humans, and we live within what's called the time-space continuum. And we live in the space where everything has a beginning and everything has an end. But when you talk about the spirit, the spirit's actually coming from another dimension, an unseen dimension. To put it simply, the spirit's coming from an eternal dimension that has no beginning and has no end. 
So we have to wrestle with this because when we talk about the spirit moving, that actually isn't, doesn't work because the action of moving only works in time and space. And so we talk about the spirit moving, it feels like it's moving to us because we are in a space where something begins to end. Things are moving back and forth. But in the context of eternity, in the context of the eternal dimension, the spirit's not moving, the spirit just is. So we have to wrestle with the idea that when you and I are filled with the spirit of God, and last week we covered three primary reasons why the spirit is filling you, is touching you, is interacting with you. And I would encourage you to go back and listen to last week because that's actually part one of what we're going to talk about tonight. This is the sequel. So we have to wrestle with the idea the Spirit is coming into our life, into our self, our body, our being, and what's taking place? Like, what's happening there? If photons are moving across space, when the Spirit comes to our life, we have to ask the question, what's going on here? Like, what are the dynamics and we have to understand it's not like the Spirit is leaving the eternal realm and living and moving into our space. It's not, he's, the Spirit's not vacating where it was to be in our space. So what's happening? I like to propose to you the Spirit is actually hardwiring your access to the eternal realm. That you are no longer limited to the natural dimension that you and I see with the naked eye or what we feel with our senses. We are no longer confined, constrained, constricted to that dimension. And what the Spirit does, the Spirit superimposes or opens up a door. So now we are living in a different realm. I know this is hard for us because we have a human mind, and our human mind can only expand the word eternal, infinite, to a certain degree. But our our language, our, our vernacular runs out of words to describe what it's like. But yet, something deep inside of us longs for it. We know it's true, but we don't know how to describe it. We have to understand what my heart in talking about the Spirit of God the last few weeks is we've reduced the Spirit of God down to a warm, fuzzy experience. And we seem to want to create these warm, fuzzy experiences, not recognizing you're, you're interacting with God, the Spirit, the very Spirit of God that is living in a completely different realm. So we have to ask a few questions around this. So what's happening? The Spirit is actually giving us access to the eternal realm, to another dimension. If light has photons, then what is the Spirit of God have? What is the Spirit of God coming to bring? Is the Spirit of God just coming to make you feel good in the moment? Or is the Spirit of God coming with the package? Like, what's happening when the Spirit of God fills you, touches you, interacts with you? This is what I want to address tonight. I want to put up a slide, and I'm going to explain what this slide is. I'm going to switch gears just a little bit and move into more of a a teaching format. This slide here has four passages of the Bible. I would encourage you to take a picture of this, because then you can go study this on your own, because this is a bit of information that we can't go over every line in this, but I want it to stay on the screen behind me for a, for a moment, for a few moments, just so you can absorb it, take pictures, and die, dive into this. And we will be diving this into months and years to come for sure. But when we talk about what is the Spirit bringing, Spirit's not just touching you for a moment, but the Spirit's actually bringing something to you. And this is what we call, in theology, what we call the gifts of the Spirit. 
Another way to say it would be just reverse that, spiritual gifts. So we have to understand that the Spirit of God is actually bringing you something. Now, there's lots of, lots of ideas and different versions of theology around how many of these gifts do you get? Do you get one of them? Do you get three of them? How many are there in its entirety? Are there only four? Are there seven? Are there 19? Are there 22? And I'm not here to try to solve that question. I'm here to say this. There are a lot of different expressions of the Spirit in your life. And so whenever you're talking about gifts of the Spirit or spiritual gifts, these are four of the primary passages, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. And then you go a little bit deeper into that chapter to verse 28 and 30. Then you go to Romans 12, verses 3 through 8, and then Ephesians 4, verse 11. Now, what you'll probably notice, there's some overlap. So look at the 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 28 through 30 passage. The first three are the apostles, prophets, and teachers. And then it goes miracles, gifts of healing, helping, guiding, speaking in tongues, and interpreting tongues. Now, if you go to Ephesians chapter 4, you've got apostles, prophets, and evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So what's my point? Paul is writing these letters to different churches. And a lot of what the church tries to do is to try to figure out what's the final number. Like, what is this actual number? And tonight, I want to approach it from a slightly different angle. And I realize in this room alone, some of you have different experiences and history of being taught this, encountering this, and even seeing in your life. And some of you have a negative experience with some of this stuff. So tonight, I want to ask you to put all that to the side and just listen to the heart and the spirit behind what we're talking about tonight. What I want you to see, there is overlap, and we have to ask the question, well, which ones are they? Now, what I would like to propose to you is that Luke actually talked about the gifts of the Spirit or how they come to you differently than the Paul does in his books. So I think it's safe to say that we should remain open and flexible when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit on how you get them. So let's move a little bit farther than this. Why did the Spirit give us gifts? Why did the Spirit give us gifts? Why does He come across the expanse of everything known in existence and give you a gift or gifts? Why does He do that? Now, I would say it's to help us to know who God is. Like when you look at a message of knowledge or faith or gift of healing, you are now encountering something that is a part of who God is. You're experiencing His nature. You're experiencing His, his desire, what's in His heart. You get down into Romans and it talks about giving and serving and showing mercy. When you are actually receiving those gifts, you are now experiencing something that's deeply important to who God is and his nature. So why do, so we can experience God? And also, this helped us to walk in the lifestyle that Jesus walked in. It actually allowed us to follow in Jesus' footsteps, not just an idea and in knowledge, but actuality, that we see people get healed, we're able to prophesy, we're able to get words of knowledge about a situation, we're able to give out of a gift, not just out of human terms, but something much deeper and much more profound. We're able to do things much like Jesus did. So why does he give us gifts? So we can get to know God and his nature, and we can actually walk just like Jesus did. The third one is actually pretty important because we have to understand the third reason why is so that you can not just be on the sidelines 
watching God do stuff on the earth, but you get to be a participant in what God is doing on the earth. You're actually in the game. You're within the confines of the lines on the field, the court, however you want to look at it. And now you're the one passing the ball, making the shot. You're the one moving around with the play. Because God wants you engaged and involved. Why? Because we live in a broken world. We live in a world that is being depraved of what God had actually intended and designed. We live in a world where there's so much pain, so much tragedy, so much crisis, so much chaos and confusion, and God's like, I want to give you my gift so you can make the world a better place. So you can introduce them to God of love. So you can introduce them to a God that loves to heal, to restore, and redeem. So you get to know God, you get to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, and you get to be a participant in what God wants to do on the earth, much like the ministry of Jesus. This is from the Spirit. Now, the gifts that you get are not a personality. You're not walking in gifts because of a personality that you carry or you inhabit or inherited. You are given gifts because it's from Him. And this is important to state because sometimes we get those two confused and we go, oh, that person, they must be an apostle because they're really dominant in everything they do in life. <laughs> and if they're not an apostle, then they're definitely a prophet. And we start trying to, oh, I know what you are because of your personality. No, it has nothing to do with personality. It had everything to do with what the Spirit wants to give you. So make sure we don't get those two confused. Because that's what happened. We start doing personality tests and we start going, oh, these are the gifts of my life. No, that's the human gift that you naturally have that God created for you and who you are as a human being without him or not. But when it comes to the gift of the Spirit, it's a whole different dimension. There's a whole different grace and there's a lot of power behind the gift that comes from him. And what I want to keep stressing is that we're talking about the spirit that comes from an eternal dimension that had no beginning or end, and we reduce God down to something minor and small. So when we talk about the gift of the spirit, we're talking about something that is coming from an eternal dimension into this dimension, into your life. So that's why the gift of the spirit comes from him. Now, let's ask another couple questions. How do you get them, and when do you get them? How do you get the gifts of the Spirit, and when do you get the gifts of the Spirit? It's a really good question, and it's actually got some different perspectives and angles on it. How do you get them? Well, first of all, it comes from the Spirit. Now, here's the challenge. is Some people believe that when you get saved, when you confess your sins and ask Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and Savior, they call that the conversion moment or getting saved is more of the street term for it. When I got saved, the Bible talked about the Spirit of God entered into your soul, into your being. So you're now filled with the Spirit of God. Some people believe that it's in that moment that the gift of the Spirit comes. There's some truth to that, but there's also some other possible options. So Paul talked, about, Paul talked about it in a sense that when you get converted, the gift of the Spirit comes. Luke over here talked about it differently. Luke says, you know, you get saved, you get filled with the Spirit, but you're not empowered by the Spirit yet. 
So in other words, you're filled with the Spirit of God. Do you know that the Spirit of God isn't just in your life to just give you power in what we just read on the screen here? The Holy Spirit in your life is to actually rearrange and remodel everything about you so you're a beautiful temple for God to live in. This is why the Holy Spirit constantly convicting and helping you become a more, better, beautiful temple for God to live in. So Luke actually puts it this way. When you look at the book of Acts, he wrote a portion of the book of Acts. And in there he says, now the, the Acts chapter 2 is where they were filled with the Spirit of God, and then they were, power came on their life. So let me just say this. Is it one or the other? I'm going to say it's both and. I know people that they can tell me, I got saved in 1970, but it wasn't until 1985 that power happened in my life. It doesn't mean they didn't have the Spirit of God in 1970. No, they had the Spirit of the God in 1970, but for some reason it wasn't until 1985 that the power light got turned on and they started walking in these gifts. I know other people that would say, I got saved in 1992 in that moment, and in that moment I got the gift of the Spirit and stuff started happening. So we have plenty of stories and testimonies of my own life, and I'm sure in some of your lives, like some people say it came later and some people said it came in the same moment. Is it simultaneous or is it subsequential? Which one is it? I would say it's both and. You guys still with me? So how and when? There's a couple quotes I want to read to you from John Wimber. God had a work of conversion and God had the work of empowerment. Sometimes it happens simultaneously and other times it can happen sequentially. John Wimber also says regarding being empowered by the Spirit, he said, any teaching that says you have been born again and you got it all and you must not expect more or seek further empowering of the Holy Spirit, it's actually not biblical. So I want to just make it really clear, it's both and. This would be my perspective, and obviously you're all entitled to your own perspective, but my perspective and my experience of seeing the Holy Spirit move in thousands of people, sometimes it's in the same moment they get saved, and other times it's later in life. It could be there's no actual formula or time, and I think that's the important part that you can at least get out of tonight. There's no pattern and there's no formula. There's no pattern and there's no formula. But don't think you shouldn't desire it. Paul actually said, desire the gifts. Like, ask for them, pray for them, cry out for them, position yourself, because it should be something you want in your life. And if you've experienced abuse with these gifts, I pray the Lord heals you so you can step into the fullness of what God designed for you. There's another passage I want to read to you. I'm going to back up just a little bit, and then I'm going to go to the final section. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 12 through 14 says this, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. So Ephesians, Paul lays out, this is why the gifts of the Spirit are taking place. It's to equip the saints, which is each and every one of us, that we will be equipped to do the works that Jesus did. To build up his body. It actually is designed to make the body stronger. 
the church stronger, not in a not in a ruling and reigning sense, but in the ability to walk and see miracles and stuff take place that couldn't on your own skill or abilities. And thirdly, when the gifts of the Spirit are operating in a community of followers of Jesus, when it operates this way, it actually reveals Jesus. Everything we saw on that screen is happening in the life of Jesus. And for some reason, when Jesus ascended back to heaven, Paul got a revelation and said, Oh, Jesus gives some of his gifts to you, some of his gifts to you, some of his gifts to you, and some of his gifts to you. And when we're all functioning as a body, guess what? Collectively, we begin to reveal who Jesus is. Okay, last section I want to read to you is in Romans chapter 12, verse 6. It's a very short verse. And it's in the context, it's one of the verses we read on the screen. There's a verse in there talked about the gifts, and then it says, according to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. These gifts in your life are something that God gave you, and it worked according to your faith. So let's, let's unpack that just a little bit. So the gifts are given to you according to the faith, the measure of faith that you have. What is faith in this sense? It's your trust and your confidence in the power of God. It's you going, oh, it's him, it's not me. This gift I'm operating in, whether it's wisdom, whether it's prophecy, whether it's healing, whether it's gift, uh, generosity, whatever it may be, it's not because of my faith and my ability to do it. It's my faith in him to work through me to do it. This is important because some of you are like, how come my gift is this size and someone else's gift is this size? And some of us are like, I don't want this one. I want that one. And we spend a lot of our time because most of us want I shouldn't say that's probably not entirely true. It wouldn't be a surprise if a lot of people desire the one that the sexiest, the flashiest, the one that get a lot of attention and applause. Like, man, that's the gift I want. That's the one I want because that one right there got the most followers on Instagram. I'll take that one. Or that's the one that when I'm done, there's a line of people waiting to talk with me and get a selfie. It's not a choice. This is not something they got, God, I want that one and I want that one. God's like, this is yours. Now, you may ask the question, do you only get one? Do you get three? Is there a limit on this thing? I actually don't know, to be honest with you. I don't have a theology that's like, it's only this. But I will say this. The Spirit of God has no beginning or end. So why should we limit or try to reduce it down? to just one, two, three, or whatever we're comfortable with. Why don't we just be people that are open to God? You can use me however you want to use me. And whatever you see fit. The fact that I'm alive, breathing, and you forgave me of all my sins, that is enough for me to say I'm at your mercy. I surrender my life to you, and however you want to use me in these gifts, then so be it. Instead of like, man, that's the one I want. That's the one I want. So it's actually according to the power of God that operates in your life. That's the measure of faith. So what is your faith in? Is it in your ability or is it in God's ability? And what I've seen, I've seen it go in all different directions. But I will say that some of the people that I admire, I've seen them in their life. It's like they had it operating on, just for quantification purposes, level one. 
Level one. It wasn't like remarkable. It wasn't like, wow. It's like, that's cool. But I've seen them steward it. I've seen them cultivate it. I've seen them lean into it spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. I've seen them cry out to God. And over the course of the life, what was level one is now in a matter of time, level five. Like, oh, my gosh, they steward it. And then sometimes, is there a timeline? Is there like 10-year mark? No, there's no formulas or pattern, but I've seen them steward it. And over the course of the life, they begin to operate at a much higher level. And what's happening is because they've stewarded it, they've cultivated it, and they operated from the measure of faith that they had regarding it. And it was in God's ability to do it, not in my personal ability to do it. I'm going to end this with the verse that Luke started us off with. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So it's important for us to have a broad and flexible understanding of the gifts of the Spirit. So why don't you stand? Thanks for listening to today's talk. For more information, you can always go to our website, which is studiogreenville.com, or check out our Instagram, which is studio.greenville, and you can follow along for all the latest happenings and updates. Other than that, have a great week, and we'll see you soon.